Welcome to episode 9 of Reclaim Your Life with Irina. Today we have a special guest, Rafi Prince Nadvorny, as he is sharing his journey of reclaiming his life. Rafi realized early on, he's still very young, that he didn't have to wait to pursue his dream. In fact, he could live his dream now. Rafi's dream was to retire somewhere in the tropical islands. He said, why, why wait? Why wait until I'm old and gray? Why can't I not do it right now? So he left his rainy Chicago area and he switched it to Hawaii where he continues to live and thrive and be happy in a place where it brings him joy. Rafi is a black sheep of a family of performers. He has worked in marketing operations for over six years. He is passionate about helping people bring their business ideas to life with productivity coaching. In his spare time, he teaches acro yoga, snorkels, and makes gigantic soap bubbles. Three lessons Rafi learned as a result of his wake-up call were breaking down your goal into small achievable chunks, as small as 10 minutes long. Feel success every day. Celebrating small wins goes a long way. It allows one to feel gratitude and be motivated to keep moving forward. Especially when you have a far-fetched goal. You gotta remind yourself, why am I doing this? And when you feel success every day, chances are you're gonna keep on going. Finally, third lesson as a result of the wake-up call was taking breaks. Oftentimes we think we cannot breathe, we cannot take a break until the goal is achieved. But it is important to take breaks, it is important to slow down and listen to your body as you go through life. Thank you for reviewing, downloading and subscribing to our podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. Now be the messenger of hope and share this episode with one of your friends. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. It really does help to help spread the message and inspire people to reclaim their life today and not put it on hold any longer because you are only one decision away from reclaiming your life. Enjoy this conversation with Rafi. Get ready to reclaim your life, discover inspiring stories, practical tools, and the path to true happiness. This is Reclaim Your Life with Irina. Let's begin the journey. Hello and welcome to Reclaim Your Life. Today's guest is Rafi Prince Nadvorny. He comes to us from Hawaii. He is the black sheep of a family of performers. Rafi has worked in marketing operations for over six years. He's passionate about helping people bring their business ideas to life with productivity coaching. In his spare time, he teaches acro yoga, snorkels, and makes gigantic soap bubbles. Welcome, Rafi. It is a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. So please share with us, who is Rafi? So Rafi is a explorer and a innovator. So I love coming up with new ideas and seeing how I could bring them to life. I love it. Awesome. What makes you happy? I love food. Food makes me really happy. And what is your favorite one? I would have to say um, Indian food. I mean, there's so many varieties within that. 
but I just love that cuisine. I could eat it for the rest of my life. Amazing. What makes you smile? I loved to do um, improv or improv comedy growing up. And that would always bring a smile to my face because you would be stuck in some ridiculous scenarios they had. I keep going. Do you have a favorite one that you want to share? Uh, no, I mean, it's all improv. So like, it's not something you rehearse like, oh, that. Oh, it just comes up like spur of the moment. Yes. Or, all right. What makes your heart sing? My heart sing. Um, whenever I find that I've made a deeper impact or connection with someone that I didn't realize. So whether it was uh, traveling and, you know, a small gesture of kindness and I, you know, was able to see the impact later on, like five years later, it changed your life or something like that. You know, even just the small things, mm -hmm. um, realizing just how impactful we are, even when we're not aware of it, it really hits the heart. Awesome. I love it. What makes you sad or and angry? Sad and angry. Well, there's a lot in the world right now. Um, and I always try to focus on uh, things that you could control. And I think those are, when I see things that could be easily changed and people are too stubborn or unaware of their behaviors or don't care, and, you know, like just people like smashing into other cars and not, you know, leaving their insurance information, just things that bring hardship that could have easily been fixed or made easier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about what scares you? What scares me? Um, there's a few things. I'm trying to get over my my fear of jumping off high places. So I'm I'm not quite afraid of heights, but whenever like cliff jumping, I get a little scared. So I'm trying to overcome that. Um, and then this, uh, I think this is for a lot of entrepreneurs, the fear of getting rejected. You know, you you're constantly getting that fear because like you put a lot of hope and dream into your ideas, and so when you go out and present it. Um, you kind of feel like your yourself is getting rejected as well along with the idea yeah we take it personally what is your number one personal superpower my number one superpower has to be innovation mm. you know give me give me an idea or give me a problem i will come up with solutions i love this one awesome what is your very first trip my very first uh dream or trip Trip, trip, trip. Yeah. Um, yeah, my first major trip I did when I was 13, my whole family did the outer perimeter of the United States. So we went from New York down to Florida, across to California, up to Alaska, and then back down and across the top of the US. We did three months in an RV with uh, three brothers and myself oh, and my parents. That's incredible. You got to see the whole, what, which what part was your favorite? My favorite has to be the Sequoia National Forest, um, just because no pictures or videos could ever do it justice. Just the massive size of those trees. Oh, wow. I, I haven't been. It's also like on my bucket list of things to see. As a kid, what did you want to be growing up? An elephant, actually. Oh. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, three years old. Everyone's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? But apparently I said elephant. Okay. Well, did you, um, did you like school uh, growing up? Yes. So I had a, a 
I guess, a relatively unique upbringing. So I was unschooled my whole life until college. Mm. Um, so that meant I went on a field trip basically every day. Okay. Um, and I got to learn whatever we were passionate about at, at the time. So I did enjoy it. Awesome. So what was your f- favorite uh, subject, I guess? Or it was... Oh, subjects? Uh, yeah, we didn't. <laughs> um, I mean, for a long time, my brothers and I were really passionate about juggling. Mm-hmm. So we all learned how to juggle. Okay. That's a good skill to have, balancing, yeah. you know, <laughs> figuring it out. Right. Where you are on your path so far, would you say? Where am I? I'm, uh, I think, a quarter of the way there. I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, it depends on the destination. So to give it a slightly longer answer, about two years ago, I realized I had set up a whole long path for myself. I had to start a business, I had to be successful, I had to like make passive income and like huge amounts of money. And then eventually I would land in a tropical paradise and live there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized I could shortcut it because, you know, fortunately enough, I had a job that paid the bills and um, I could live in Hawaii now. Um, so I kind of took a shortcut in life. So I'm, I'm at the destination faster, I don't know. There's still things I want to do in life, obviously, and I skipped over a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm guessing I have to end and going backwards. Yeah, and you, you, you know, there is, there is nothing wrong in life, you know, in the fact that you realize that sooner. That's kudos to you because the most precious asset we have is time. And if you got there to where you wanted to be, <laughs> yeah. I always wanted to live on a tropical island and I realized why am I waiting until I'm successful in order to live there? Yeah, I love it. What, uh, what is the cause you are most passionate about? A cause? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a time, so I, I feel really passionate about um, climate change and interaction like that. Um, but also about uh, men's health and awareness, um, particularly into like the entrepreneurship space. So entrepreneurs are one of the loneliest professions out there. Yes. And um, is a is a great uh, guy I was talking to. So he's a multimillionaire. He's set up his own company, but he was also like paralyzed with anxiety after selling his company for like three hundred and seventy um, for like million dollars. And he gave his presentation and he was like the top 10 tips or top 10 attributes for highly successful entrepreneurs, right? And he's like, everyone in the webinar raised their hands if they have three or more, right? And we all did. And then he laughed at us. He says, these aren't the uh, attributes for entrepreneurs. These are the attributes for people that are like schizophrenic (laughs) or some sort of, I forget which uh, mental health uh, disorder he said. It's like, but he was pointing out the fact that if you went to a therapist and listed out your attributes, you would get counseling, like what do you mean? But because we're labeled as entrepreneurs, people encourage those behaviors. Oh, wow. <laughs> Amazing. What is a uh, number one advice you could give to your 18 year old self? Yeah, so that would be um, stop trying to do everything by yourself and find other people you could do it with. Mm-hmm. That's very good advice. Because oftentimes we take 
asking for help is like a sign of weakness. That's kind of the idea, the growing up. And I think yeah, me too. I thought I could do everything by myself. I would learn it all myself. But there's many things that you just take longer, or you just don't want to do, like tax accounts, you know, or um, you know how to do investing in Roth IRAs versus 401ks, or you know, like things like that. That mm -hmm. I, it's not interesting. I had to learn it. Yeah. Um, but it would have been so much faster or easier if I had a friend who could tell me what I needed to know versus me learning everything and then, you know, sifting through the, the, the data before I got to what I needed. Yeah, totally. Totally agree with you. What is one smallest thing you've done that has had the biggest impact in your life so far? Um, small, well... Yeah, so that was changing my goals for something like I want to make a million dollars or have a successful business, something I could achieve within 10 minutes. All right. Can you give me yeah. an example? Yeah, so, you know, like as a teenager, like, oh, I want like these big, you know, biceps, you know, ripped ass and things like that. I should do like push-ups all every day. And um, it took me three years of trying different uh, approaches to realize that if I can make the goal as small as possible, that I had no excuse not to do it, I was able to see consistent results. So for example, I decided I wanna do like those 30 day push-up challenges, right? Mm -hmm. And they start off easy where they go um, one, three, five, seven, and then in week two, they're like 513, you know, 7,000, you know, like it's just unable, unless you were able to already do like 300 push-ups a day, you couldn't make that scaling jump. Um, and I tried really hard and it just didn't work. So I switched it up and I said, I'm just gonna do one more than the day before. And I did that and I was able to get to 200 a day. Um, just taking it very much more gradual, right? Just one more a day, that was it. And I could do it anytime during the day, uh, any number. Um, but I was only able to hit 200 and it was getting really hard to keep it up and I just stopped. Um, it wasn't until a couple of years later that I'm like, all right, I need to build in the breaks because as soon as I broke my internal rule of like, I have to do it every day, mm -hmm. it was really hard to get back on track because I had failed. Um, so now I do an 80-20 rule. It's very uh, arbitrary, but 80% of the year, I have to work on my goals and then 20%, I have to relax and vacation, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that has been much more successful. So I'm three years running where I've hit the 80% um, goal. So I've worked on my goals or exercise for 80% of the year. Um, and again, this is just 10 minutes a day, or whatever it is, minimum, mm -hmm. right? You could go a little bit over, but I try not to do like seven hours in a weekend because then you just start burning out. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely changed my life in progress. You know, I, I now have two online courses. I moved to Hawaii, you know, I'm able to, to just see the progress in my ideas and grow so much. I mean, it feels like nothing's happening because it's just 10 minutes, you know, a little bit. But over a couple of years, I'm able to see just how much progress I've been able to make versus, you know, decades of me as a teenager struggling, trying to do like everything in the weekend, you know, the 40 hours on top of a full-time job that some entrepreneurs are glorified for. Um, and I can't, 
Yeah. And I think in the application, in the questionnaire, you mentioned that you are reading Atomic Habits. And I, I hear a lot of points that you mentioned in, in your 10-minute thing that you discovered. I think that's incredible. Another uh, good book is A Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And it also kind of shares the same concept. You know, if you change in one degree today, a year later, you 365 degrees, diff, more better in I call it, a year later versus, you know, taking everything now and doing this big push. When we do all those micro things, we could see progress, of course. When you're inside, you don't see the change, but it's only looking back where the dots connect and you can see, oh, wow, I've been here and now I'm here. <laughs> so totally, totally get you. Awesome advice. Thank you. How were you able to maintain your productivity and triple your happiness? Yes, that's a, that's a great question. So to give a little context, um, it's the middle of COVID. Um, you know, things aren't going so great. I'm working from a friend's basement, which is cold and dark, right? So um, it's the middle of winter. There's also um, just the temperature differences. So like I'm freezing and miserable. I'm on the computer all day. Then I would finish the work and then I would just switch to my ideas and I'd just keep working, right? And it was just not, not happy because um, I was just trying to focus and get it done, right? That worker, you know, hustle mentality, just get the work done. Um, and I came across an old um, TED Talk video that I watched and I read one of his book, which is called um, The Happiness Advantage by Sean Anker. And he had study after study. So he's a Harvard researcher that looks at organizational behavior and happiness and like how it affects um, the people's work. And basically study after study show that we have it wrong. It's not that success will bring us happiness, it's that happiness will lead to bigger successes, right? And so I basically decided to experiment, right? So I decided to move to Hawaii, focus on happiness and see what would happen with my productivity, right? right. And I was able to like force myself to do like the 80%, right? I was able to get it because like the, the no excuse basically was that it, it could be midnight and I'm in bed and cozy, it's cold outside. And I'm like, oh, I forgot to do my 10 minutes, right? But it's just 10 minutes. So I throw off the colors, I would do it for like the guilt of, you know, giving up. Um, but still it feels, you know, bad when you're forcing yourself to do 10 minutes. So I moved to Hawaii and the idea of doing a full year experiment to see if I focus on enjoying life more, would that give me more energy to do the work? And so at the end of it, I was able to hit 87% um, productivity. So that means 80%, 87% of the days out of the years I worked towards my goals. Um, and my happiness level uh, tripled. Um, so I, I have a spreadsheet that I keep track of all this data. <laughs> um, Amazing. Yeah. That's a way to improve because if the things that you track, those things tend to progress because you pay attention. So how do you, what do you mean by happiness? How do you define, what is it? Yes, uh, so it's eudaimonia. I think I pronounced it right. It's a, it's a different kind of happiness. You know, a lot of time we think of like euphoria or like, you know, the elation that we get from achieving goals, you know, you know a lot of Western society, we're always about like that drive to grow and succeed and to build and become a more holistic human being. Um, First, I think in like more Westerner, or sorry, Easterner philosophies, it's more about acceptance and letting go from attachment and like material things, right? So coming from different angles, be okay where you're at or be okay with like constantly growing and changing. Mm -hmm. um, 
So the the eudaimonia is kind of the the other end of the spectrum of hedonism. So hedonism is like maximizing your pleasure and senses all right now, instant gratification, right? Let's take it now. And the eudaimonia is um, the joy of working towards something that you value. So you might not be enjoying it right in the moment, but you feel connected to whatever that goal or mission or you know vision you have in life. And it's, it's for me, it's just kind of like the quiet satisfaction of just being able to, to see or work on something, right? So an artist who's like you know carving or you know sculpting, you know you, you're not done with it, you're not you finished and see the whole statue and all its beauty, but just like the joy of kind of like being able to see small bits of progress. I love it. What is your purpose? What moves you forward? Yeah, so my purpose, I think, is to make the the world a um, cleaner and healthier place or sustainable. So that's that's what I do. And it's through the ideas um, that I create, right? So if I could generate enough ideas and um, help other people become entrepreneurs, then I think the, the impact on the world would be great. Yeah, totally. So how do you find your clients currently? My clients? Yep. So I do a lot of podcasts. Right. And I also am starting um, to do more posts on social media. Mm -hmm. um, and I know a lot of people like, oh, just post, you know, three to five times a day. Um, but as a marketing operations person, <laughs> I know that could get quickly tiring. Um, so now I'm, I'm looking at platforms that kind of um, use more about search intent. So that one article could be written and it could be viewed. Or YouTube is a great example for those kind of things. Where as long as you know what people are talking about and what, what questions they have, um, you don't have to do five times a day YouTube videos. Well. Please tell us more what uh, like about your work and your business. Uh, yeah, so my work, I work as a full-time marketing operations specialist. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a um, PEO company. So that we do help with like the HR, the payroll, things like that. Um, it's great. I just started about uh, four months ago, four to five months ago. And um, it's great because there I basically have to come up with the different paths to getting to where we need to go, right? So we have a uh, prospect. How do we get them to become a customer or figure out if they are a right fit for us um, and how to help them along their journey so they make a purchase decision or not? Mm -hmm. Well, that's my work. Um, and my, um, my own personal business is Ideastrider, and that is um, the community that I wish I had growing up. So I talked about, you know, asking for help as a, as a kid. So entrepreneurs being one of the loneliest professions, it's really hard to find co-founders that you connect with because that's like finding a soulmate or a best friend, right? It's, it's really hard, especially when you add the business stuff to that. Um, I've seen friendships, unfortunately, break apart just at the idea level because they're arguing about future revenue that they didn't have. And the idea never got off the ground. So I've seen that. Um, or the flip side is that you, you can't afford to hire people to do all the work that you need to get done to see if the idea is actually going to work, right? So they're kind of stuck in this middle of like not enough money and, you know, don't want to risk like, or it's too hard to find people. So I'm starting a program. And it's just a wait list right now, but once I have enough people, 
to um, uh, start startup squads. So you work in groups of three, you work on the same kind of business, even though everyone has their own business. So there'd be like three uh, software as a service uh, founders, three you know coaches, three e-commerce, you know Etsy store owners, and you have your groups and each person in the group has their own expertise. So you'll have like a marketer, a developer, and a project manager, or a um, mindset coach, a copywriter, and a web designer, right? Whatever the expertise, like the core expertise you need for your type of business. Um, and then you're able to help each other. So like a one hour of my time, um, you know, is, go in the market is about $100 an hour. Mm -hmm. um, but I could do much more than someone who's just learning how to do like email marketing or set up the, the, the workflows than like a coach. And that coach, you know, might be a fantastic copywriter who could write 10 times more than I could in an hour. So it's kind of like helping each other with the skills that were weak. Okay. Um, and then on top of that, I have a panel of experts. So if your group doesn't know the answer, you have experts to call on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So like barter network, you exchange yep. your yep. expertise so, for other person's expertise, and you also have support. If yep. one, three of you don't know, you can ask external work. Yeah, so there's a lot of entrepreneur communities out there, and I don't see a lot of them combining this specific combination of like accountability buddies and mentorship, as well as, you know, the productivity um, coaching. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And what is the like the outcome of this? What are you hoping to? Oh, yeah. So the, the whole idea is build, build, building momentum, right? So a lot of people and there's unfortunately not a lot of research on it because it's, it's so hard to quantify. But I believe that at least um, 50 to 75 percent of would be entrepreneurs, you know, the, the people that are just getting started, stop before their idea is even in reality, right? They stop before their idea has left the ground or out of their head um, just because they, they get bogged down into building a website or trying to like contact customers or whatever it is. Um, and they stop so early in the stages that they never see if their idea is a good one or not. Mm -hmm. So the outcome for me, just like I was able to go from zero to 200 pushups a day is to make sure that people build and maintain momentum their business you know. and don't give up on their dream or their yeah. idea <laughs> see the idea come realize and then find out if, if it's viable or not viable right i love it i think it's awesome what is the three biggest lessons you experienced since your wake-up call and i call wake-up call you know you were living in the basement and your friend's house and now you're in hawaiian tropical island what are the three biggest lessons that you think you learned in that yeah so we kind of touched on pieces of them um for the first one is changing goals to being 10 minutes or less right something so small i had zero excuse not to do it when i had to do it the second one was changing my mindset of how I measure progress instead of having those big milestones or, 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 or trying to achieve goals that would take months to work on. Like I want to complete a course you know, that takes two to three months. That's a lot of hard work um, to something that I could feel success every day. So like if I did laundry, I was successful, right? I did laundry um, and anything above that is great. So changing that perspective really helped with the stress of the long term haul because like any kind of business, you're going to be in it for the long haul. So being able to feel gratitude or 
motivation for achieving these small successes is great. Um, and then, of course, you have your bigger milestones that you can look back on and see, oh, look how far I come. Um, but the, the goal is to, to feel success in those small things. Um, and then the third thing that was really critical was taking breaks, right? Mm -hmm. Like forcing yourself to try to do it every single day is a recipe for failure because then you start breaking your own role and you're fighting with yourself and it's just a lot more mental energy wasted than when you're like, no, I have, you know, literally like 70 days of vacation time that I could use whenever I want if I don't feel like it, right? And not forcing yourself when you feel terrible. And this is, um, this is a, a bigger thing that I'm kind of like putting out there is that you know, no pain, no gain is like a common saying, right? You have to live outside your comfort zone if you're going to grow. Um, I think that's false. Um, and there's very few people that can do that and succeed, right? Those are the stereotypical type A personality entrepreneurs who are just like hustle. They work 40 hours a week. They could work, you know, 80 hours on top of that. Um, and I think that's why so many people don't work, uh, succeed is because they're trying to mimic those 1%. And I think if people were able to work within their comfort zone and build their comfort zone bigger within it, they would be able to succeed easier and faster because they're not doing things that bring them way outside their comfort zone where they're feeling, you know, fear, anxiety, you know, because all those um, feelings don't go away, right? If you're constantly exposing yourself, you're just going to build up uh, resistance whenever you want to build your business. Right. But if you're feeling comfortable or slightly, you know, on the edge of it, and you're able to slowly push it, like public speaking, great example, let's, let's make it really uh, concrete. Mm -hmm. um, if I were to ask to do a TED talk right now, I would be shaking in my boots. Um, you know, it, it would be really scary. Right. But I could work up to that and grow my comfort zone to the point where I would feel totally confident in that by saying, like, talking in the mirror every day, right? Something I could do myself. And then I would uh, record myself and listen to myself recording, post it on Instagram, YouTube, whatever it like, and slowly build up to the point where, you know, presenting a set of 10,000 people um, wouldn't be that far of a stretch. You know, those micro improvements, just 10 minutes a day, but the same thing. I, I love it. I think you totally make a good point that oftentimes we, we give up too soon, we fear because this is our natural ability and our mind always tries to protect us and makes it difficult to step out of the comfort zone. And I love the things that you mentioned, the three lessons, you know, the 10 minutes, like not making something so far-fetched, but 10 minutes, because we all have 10 minutes. I recommend to people to practice 10 minutes of joy every day to create the happiness muscle. You know, how you brush your teeth, what if we just do something that makes us happy 10 minutes a day, every day? Yeah. And then second point you mentioned, celebrating small wins. You don't have to, you know, go to the moon. <laughs> we can just, you know, make a bed and be happy. <laughs> Making those little things like little micro milestones on our way to a goal and awarding us for that. Because we, when we get that positive reinforcement, it will propel us to keep moving forward. In myself, I noticed, uh, I recently got certified as a fitness coach. And in the beginning, you take like a DEXA scan, which measures where you are, and then Three months later, you do another one. And then because you did that before and after, you see the change. That momentum propels you forward, even though in the process, you don't see much change. But then you did that snapshot. And in your case, you're doing your tracking. 
that you're able to see that grows. I think it's amazing. And the last point you mentioned, taking breaks. I love it. Like when you uh, kind of, you said that 80, 20, uh, the fact that you take vacations, you know, 70 days is like, wow, that's like, how much is it? Like two and a half months of vacation yeah. <laughs> when you put it all together. It's like, I never kind of thought about it, but you kind of put it a different light on it. So thank you for sharing those points. I think those are incredible. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you want to share? Um. Yeah, so I think this is, and this is kind of um, my mindset, is that there are many, many paths to success. So over the last 20 years, I've looked at every possible, you know, passive income strategy or business ideas out there to try to find which was the best path for me. Right. And at the end of the day, um, a lot of people just say, do the work, right? And heads down. I think that it's more important on how uh, well you could walk down a path than which path you take to success. Mm -hmm. And it's more important on having the support network, right? To whenever you fall, you trip, you get lost, you stumble, you know, switch paths, the wrong path is dangerous, whatever, that when those things happen, you have people that could help you get up and move forward, right? I think in, especially in America, we pride ourselves on being independent and strong and healthy and like we could do it on our own. Um, but every successful entrepreneur that I see out there was a success because they had an incredible support network and were able to use that at the times that they needed it. Totally, totally. I love it. Support is so, so important. We, can, we don't have to do it on our own. We think we do, but we don't have to. <laughs> How they say, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Yes. Just a, like a metaphor, but it also takes a village to birth an idea, to birth a project together. And more heads is better than one. <laughs> if people would love to find you or learn more about you, where would they go? Yeah, so they could go to ideastrider.com. That's my website. Um, or we can connect and it's the same thing on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook or stuff. So idea strider on any of those platforms. Um, and you can find my business in, uh, find out more TikTok. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story. I loved your lessons. Hope you have an amazing time in Hawaii and yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for tuning in to Reclaim Your Life with Irina. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts and also greatly help when you download the episode. Share this episode with a friend and remember, you're only one decision away from reclaiming your life.